to be honest, sometimes I can't believe how interconnected all of our friendships are. And I'm so here for it. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of To Be Honest. I'm your host Amy. And I'm Grace. And today we have a very special guest on the podcast. Um, this is my lovely friend, Christine. We met in high school and now we're pretty good friends. And like Zoe, she was actually Grace's friend first. Yeah, I think Christine was like one of the first people that I met when I first came to Canada. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Like okay, when okay, I came okay. back to Canada first. And it's kind of funny because Amy's just stealing all my friends. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, it's kind of weird because I feel like I'd have no friends in high school if it wasn't through Grace because I wouldn't have known Zoe, first of all. And then second of all, I'm pretty sure Christine only knew I existed because like we met at a birthday party of yours. And she, I, it was so weird. I was in the hallway and then she was like, <laughs> are you Amy? And I was like, yes. <laughs> And then at first, I think, yeah, I do. Of course I remember the first time we met, ma'am. Aww. Yeah, how could I forget? (laughs) Anyways, um, (laughs) would you like to introduce introduce yourself to the podcast? (laughs) Okay, um, my name is Christine. I I go to Fort Wayne Secondary School, and I like bunnies. Oh. Yes. (laughs) To start us off, like, I think that one thing Grace said... Um, Because Grace was one of my first friends, too, when I first came to Canada, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, like, it shows kind of, like, the immigration experience. Because I know a lot of our parents immigrated from whether it be China or Korea or even, like, I don't know, other Asian countries, basically. Mm -hmm. Because, like, um, there's, like, a less strict, there's, like, more relaxing education system. Even Mm -hmm. though, like, I'm sure all of us picked really stressful programs anyway. So, you know. um, (laughs) But... Um, I, and I remember talking to my mom about this, but, like, a lot of the friends that, like, our parents made with other Asian families, it was also for us, right? So they could bring us along for playdates and stuff, and I think, like, um, like, immigration is hard, right? You have to do all the paperwork, there's, like, mm-hmm. rounds, and that kind of starts us off because it's, like, the first part of, like, how much they're willing to do for us to, like, yeah. give us a better life here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I actually wanted to ask, why did your parents choose to immigrate to Canada? Like, obviously, part of it, as you said, was to give us a better life. Um, but, like, was there anything else behind it? Was it really just for you? Honestly, I don't know, but... Okay, this is gonna sound really stupid, right? Okay, Uh but, um, I was... Okay, so, there was this one day where, like, I don't remember if I had a fight with my parents or not, but then, like, my mom brought up how, like, my dad used to have, like, a company, and I don't remember what it did, but apparently it was a meat canning company. And then, like, off... And then apparently I had to like give that up to like immigrant and I got so sad and then and he was like cr- like and then and, like my mom said he was really upset about his meat canning company. I don't even oh. think it was a meat and then I was like I cried like the next two days at school just oh. telling everyone about my yes. meat canning company. No, I remember the story about your dad's meat canning company. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, but yeah, I think a lot of our parents have really similar experiences too. Because like both of my parents were engineers, they had like pretty good jobs and like their bachelor's degrees down the belt um when they were in China and then they immigrated to Canada and both of my parents are working like mm, jobs that are pretty below their pay grade I must say like of course we have enough savings saved up and everything so it's not really a financial issue but more just like a pride issue like what are you doing with your life issue yeah Yeah. because when they grew up um I brought up this point because I met a co-worker through work um and then she was also saying how like she was a top of her class student in India and everything but now she's working like a minimum wage job with yours truly um (laughs) and also just like trying to put a stake together but then it's like I thought it was so weird that she was so smart and everything and then she chose to come to Canada and then she just like fell in the in the ladder 
but then I brought it up to my parents and then they said that, you know, that makes sense because everyone who makes it out of the country in the first place is already like a top tier person in that country. You yeah. can't make it out otherwise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess another point stemming from this is like we should kind of be grateful, like whether we're the first Im- first generation immigrants or not, it's like we were kind of given the opportunity to just like flourish here yeah. instead of having to work hard and then move here. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's not like everything was handed to us since the beginning, but like, I mean, we have it a lot better than most people in we other do. countries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like I was talking to my parents about immigration and honestly like the things that they had to go through to make sure that they had a good place in Canada and then were financially stable here was really tough. Like I probably wouldn't have done that. I would have just cried and decided yeah. to And also like the, the language barrier, like mm-hmm. um no offense, but like my parents are still not the best at English. <laughs> um and I don't know, it's just I can't imagine like um, um, like I'm pretty sure you guys have all taken like French, but like imagine using that level of language to just live in France for like 10 years right it's hard Mm -hmm. and like also the culture shock and just the fact that most of our parents I think have most of their relatives back in China and so they're constantly traveling like here in China and like back and forth and they're kind of like torn both ways almost or at least that's the way it is with my parents because their parents Mm -hmm. are back in China and they have to take care of them but then they also have to take care of me and like my brother and we're in Canada and so they have to sacrifice a lot for us yeah something i heard about both of your parents i think is are your aren't your parents both planning on going back to china after you guys graduate Mm. yeah i heard that i heard that on grace's side is it true on yours too christine um no i think their plan is to just have fun in canada i mean okay well yeah like to just relax my my dad calls it like jiafeng like the war is <laughs> over and he can just like relax and not do anything and my mom is like oh no like what am i gonna do i'm gonna come visit you <laughs> um, but no, I that, think... that's actually pretty common i think i know yeah. someone's mom who followed her daughter to university and the daughter was just like what the frick mom but the mom <laughs> just like she, she was also a single mom um from a, what is it called astronaut satellite family where the dad was working mm. in china which is mm-hmm. something that you mentioned yeah but then it's like she spent her entire life and all her time caring for her daughter and her daughter graduates and she just stays with her <laughs> which is a little unfortunate on the daughter's part but we understand and I, don't, I don't think like well she's just like i'll come visit you you know because yeah. yeah um that's cute that actually brings up an interesting topic because i know that before amy and i have talked about um Chinese slash East Asian parents investing a lot more in their children, so they invest a lot more Mm. time and money into, like, their children's education and extracurriculars and stuff. And obviously, like, we're very privileged if we do get all of those opportunities growing up, but at the same time, a lot of the time, there's, like, a stereotype that Asian parents who invest a lot in their children, um, like, expect a lot in return after their children grow up. So yeah. I was just wondering, what do you think about that, Christine? I actually have a really funny story stemming from this. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember in like elementary school, there was this girl that I was like kind of friends with. Like she was kind of mean, but like we were friends. And then one time, like because like in elementary school, everything was super easy, right? Like no one mm-hmm. ever really studied, especially the Asian kids, and they like all got really good grades. And like I know she wasn't dumb, but um, I would help her with a few things. And I remember really clearly one time she turned to me and she was like, "Asian people are only smart because of tutor." And I was like. <laughs> Um, um. um we'll see like at the time i obviously i had like math tutor and english tutor and stuff but i just found that kind of funny because like yes we get smarter because of tutor but it's not like we don't work it's not like tutors can like magically just implant like the information in our brain right it's still us mm-hmm. like taking the information we get from tutor and practicing and then getting better at it mm-hmm. and I, I mean i guess i don't blame her because again i remember 
her family life was kind of really bad like her parents were divorced and they were never really home for her so maybe she just wanted extracurriculars and her family couldn't afford them but it's just kind of like the perspectives we have when we were little right that kind of stuck with me because i thought that was like i just thought that was a peculiar statement from a white person (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is kind of crazy i remember when i was little i almost envied kids for being able to do whatever they wanted because yeah yeah yeah. their parents just like let them roam free well for me it's like do this math homework else you're not going to be able to go watch your movie you know and then obviously like i hear a lot of the time most of the time after you grow up kids are pretty grateful to their parents for giving them all the opportunities and stuff but of course we don't really understand that as kids Okay, well, I mean two things. It's like a double-edged sword, mm-hmm. almost. Like, of course, when I was small, I was like, oh, I wish I had white parents. I can go out and do whatever they want. I can't look over how many which I want. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's like at some point, you come to terms with, like, the fact that they don't do that because they do love you and they want you to be the best. Mm-hmm. And I just think Asian parents are really bad at expressing what they want, right? It's like, that is true. They, they, mm-hmm. they always compare you with other kids. And then they're like, oh, like, why aren't you like this? Like, oh, that family's kid is doing this and doing that. And then, like, I think unknowingly or unintentionally, a lot of times when you're growing up, they make you feel like you're never enough. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you get a good grade and it's kind of expected. Like, maybe you get a pat on the back. Where last you see your white friend? Okay, okay, I don't mean the in a white people. No, no, I get, it, I get it, I get it. I get you it. see your stereotypically slightly lower IQ friend get a good grade and their parents, like, buy them a phone or buy them a computer and you're like oh but i've always been doing these things it's just Mm -hmm. higher expectations because they know like you can do good Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah i get what you're saying like like you were saying this is purely based off of stereotypes and we realize that not every asian slash white household is like this but just speaking from stereotypes um i know that amy was saying something once that like I, the more I thought about it, the more it kind of, like, resonated with me. But, Amy, you were saying that, like, success felt more like a sigh mm. of relief than an actual mm-hmm. accomplishment. That was that was just, like, me mm. kind of feeling burnt out, I think. And then also uh, mm. comparing myself to high-achieving kids. Uh, I guess that was ingrained in me by my parents. Thanks. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, like, um, yeah. when I was really stressed, whenever I accomplished anything, it was kind of just, like, oh, it's finally over with like um the stress was finally kind of relieved but it never felt like yay I did something I don't know if that's the same thing because I think that just more stemmed from me having really bad work habits and kind of just like having too high expectations for myself I guess Mm. I think Mm -hmm. I was like you up until I feel like in grade 9 and 10 I genuinely work harder than I did in grade 11 and 12 I think at some point in like the second half of grade 10 I just stopped trying and then I was like well, you know, and then I just started doing everything last minute. Like, I still made sure it was good, but uh-huh. I would just, like, pull all-nighters for everything, and it still turned out fine. Yeah. But, no, like... No, I did, I did the exact same thing. It's not, it's not even that my effort level decreased. I just stopped really caring. Like, I still wanted to do good, but I wouldn't stress about it. I would just be like, oh, like, I have this much time, I'll do this, and it'll, like, I'll just take whatever I get, right? Mm-hmm. You know, second half of grade 10, incidentally, was COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> so okay yeah i was gonna say it's like the thing about just pushing everything to the last minute procrastinating i guess that was me kind of having too much faith in myself because i knew that i cared enough to get it done and to make sure it was good but then that was also bad because i had too much faith in myself so i would push it to the last minute and then do it then and then ultimately the work became less good than it was before so yeah but okay no the thing with me is like 
I do that, but then like normal people, like when it gets to last minute, they're all like, oh, whatever, like I'll just hand it in like this. Mm-hmm. But like I physically can't bring myself to do that, so I would just like not sleep and actually do it and finish everything to like my standards. Okay, so see, I would just I, end up not sleeping a lot. I did that until I don't know, things got bad enough where I started giving up myself. So then I, I started becoming one of those people who would just sleep when it was late and then say that I'd do it the next morning and not really do it the next morning and hand it in badly done. I can't bring myself to do that. I'm not... Sorry. It's not you gotten that bad yet. Maybe university. Or maybe I not. hope not. We hope not. <laughs> do, you, do you guys think that that stems from maybe having parents that pushed you a lot when you were a child? Like Amy was talking about um, having a lot of faith in yourself or like Christina was talking about having high expectations of yourself. Do you think that those were also caused by like having parents that pushed you a little bit more so you had to do a lot more like schoolwork when you were younger and you got to build a lot more faith in your academic ability and then that subsequently led you to maybe feel a little bit more burnt out or like start procrastinating a little bit more once you had the freedom to do yeah, so. Yeah maybe well like as you said when I was young it was kind of just ingrained in me that I needed to do good and like better than the other kids and I don't know strive to the 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, in high school, when you do get a little more freedom over your school stuff, and then you do get a lot more schoolwork, then, I don't know, I think that's a time for the bad work habits to start piling up and you to learn how to actually study on your own. And also, the thing is, like, in high school, especially in challenging programs, I think some people might face the issue where they are always the smartest kid in their class or, like, pretty pretty high-ranked, pretty smart in their class, but then suddenly in high mm-hmm. school, in all these special programs, everyone else is also really smart, so it's kind of lose confidence and start feeling less special maybe that's just me thing (laughs) no I relate to that well okay well first of all looking back my parents never really pressured me into anything like when when I would get a bad grade I would be more upset Mm. than they would be because I was still in my (laughs) academic validation era Mm -hmm. and then I got to high school and like I was used to like never doing any homework and getting like a hundred and then like so I just don't know how to do homework and to some degree I still don't my studying habits are like really weird like I never really I don't know. But anyways, um, Paul, I I use Paul. Yeah. But, um, I just kind of gave up on academic validation. It's not even like, I guess the kind of learning motivates me more than like getting a good mark. Like if I just understand the material, I can, I would get a better mark than just forcing myself to study for the sake of like just getting Mm -hmm. that mark. Right. (laughs) I'm still learning to do that. It's, it's hard. It's hard to do that. But like, it makes sense intuitively and it actually works in practice too. Like once you, especially with once we're getting older, like in high school, um, a lot of tests that we get are more about applying the knowledge than like regurgitating mm. knowledge. So in that That's sense, true. actually. History, like, History bio kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but in, in those senses, learning the actual material is very helpful. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. Maybe I should have taken physics. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but I also Amy. totally get what Amy was saying about, like, going into more challenging programs in high school, because I know a lot of people who felt that way and felt that suddenly, like, they were used to seeing themselves as, you know, like, pretty smart people, but then all of their academic self-confidence oh just deteriorated. I, I had I had a revelation. Is that what began my identity crises in grade nine? <gasps> suddenly, I wasn't just the like smart kid anymore. Ooh. Like I actually had to develop a personality for once. <laughs> you know, okay, I won't name anyone, but this mm-hmm. one time I was talking to someone who got a, a 
significantly better grades than me in math, right? Mm-hmm. And I was talking to them, and they were like, oh, in grade 10, I had a really bad teacher, and we had the same teacher, and we got to this unit, and then she mentioned how our teacher brought up something that was supposed to be reviewed, but, like, most of the people in the class have never, like, like seen the formula and done that before, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I realized that, like, I've done that, like, a long time ago, like, in middle school. So I think to a certain extent, I'm really thankful for my parents for putting me through all that tutor because yeah <laughs> since i didn't study much in grade 11 i kind of cared like my prior knowledge kind of made sure i didn't fail all of grade 11 almost but um, i also realized that like i my foundation was a lot better than that person so if i just did my homework i probably could have gotten a significantly better grade and it's kind of funny because you're like oh like i can but like i didn't you know yeah. you know it's in the past yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. i i never had math tutors as a, as a kid and I would say that my uh, middle school math education was a little lacking. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we worked past it. But, okay, the thing about math is I think every Asian kid has had this shared experience where the dad makes them cry at the kitchen table teaching them math, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I have. Um, but then the thing is, it's it's the explanation we always give is because their logic behind math is so different from ours. I have this one like distinct memory from math because mm-hmm. it was in middle school and we were doing surface areas right yeah and you know how like like it was like let's say it was like us it was like a rectangle but with an open face right so like almost a rectangle cup yeah. right yeah and and then, and then the, the question was like find the surface area so obviously like the smart mathematician i am i find the outside and i always find i also find the inside because yeah. it's an open space it's exposed and then the right answer was not to include the inside and i think my teacher was just really stupid or something i agree i think the teacher was just stupid <laughs> and then i went and explained to him respectfully and then he gave me the mark but that's something i distinctly remember <laughs> good job Speaking of math and like kind of having identity crises after finding out that maybe we're not the special smart kid, um, Christine, have you ever felt like your identity didn't align with the Chinese stereotype? And like, has that ever made you feel like you're an outsider at all? Did you ever feel like you had to be the smart kid or something? Like you had to uphold our, our, what is it, our pride Mm -hmm. Um, as the model minority? (laughs) See... I mean, I was smart up until, like, when I met smarter people. (laughs) Um, But no, not really. I mean, like, in front of... I the would say is, I, I all I the smarter to, oh sorry okay you go ahead all the smarter people are <laughs> yeah all Asian, the smarter people yeah. are Asian <laughs> a, a vast majority of them are I would agree <laughs> but um I would say I've always tried to um align with the maybe not try but I'm like I'm like pleasant like lima p- polite mm-hmm. to um mm-hmm. my elders and like I mean I tried to be nice to my parents it's an ongoing effort but um Yes. I'm trying to be more amicable with them. <laughs> yes. I mean, okay, the thing is, you have a much closer relationship to your elders or, like, your parents than I do. It's like, yeah, you know, yesterday how you called your mom and just went like, Ma, I thought you died. Yeah, I thought <laughs> you died. <laughs> it's like, I would never do anything like that. Maybe it's just, like, a personality thing, but I feel like I'm close with my mom, but I'm not, like, friends with her in that way, you know? to like joke mm. around and stuff like that yeah i yeah. think I mean, and then I think... you said that i talked to my dad like a respected elder which i would say is like somewhat accurate yeah you do yeah um oh well, i think i don't know i think it's like a personality thing on both my end and my parents and mm. like we've been through a lot together and it's kind of the way um 
the way it ended up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. I feel like I had a pretty standard upbringing, though. And then also, like, I had an older brother, so he had to go through the bad parenting first, and I got the, the better one. <laughs> <laughs> kind of same. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, they're doing good. Mm-hmm. They turned out um, great. Yeah. But did you have any other defining experiences um, while growing up as a second-generation immigrant? Like, did you um, do all the thing where you were embarrassed about your food, and then you dressed differently, oh, and when you visited friends' houses, you were oh. like, oh, do I take off my slippers? <laughs> yeah. um, um, I would say I was embarrassed of my food. I used to just have dumplings every day, and I would just put ketchup on my dumplings. I didn't even ask for ketchup. My dad would just bring me ketchup on my dumplings <laughs> and ketchup on my, like, xiaolongbao. And then people would, like, tell me it looked like pig intestine or something, and I'd be, like, so sad. I'm just one freaking dude. I saw him. Wait, wait, wait. That I look at. <laughs> ketchup on dumplings? No. Yeah. I don't do that anymore, but I never even asked for it. But he always, my dad always would pass me ketchup on dumplings. So, and then for a while after, I started asking for like a normal, a normal like lunch, like yeah. whitewash lunch. And then my mom yeah. would bring me wraps, but then she would put like too much mayo in the wraps and it would taste so bad. So I would just not eat anything and just start. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, I did that too. Like, I remember I would just get leftovers um, in my lunchbox, and then it was always, like, soy sauce and stuff, you know, so then it was really brown, and then kids would come over and tell me it looked like poop or something, and I'd just be sad, too, and I remember, like, <laughs> I went, sad. yeah, I went through a period where I started throwing out my lunches and just starving yeah. as well, it's, it's like okay. an obligatory period, <laughs> yeah, I think we've all been through it, but in terms of, like, being dressed, I think my parents always dressed me pretty normally, really? like, they bought clothes from Gap, and like all the normal clothing places bro okay i don't know if this is a culture thing i think it is but don't you guys rewear clothes or isn't that like normal to rewear clothes in chinese culture like what do you mean rewear just like wear the same thing like for days on end kind of uh is that something people judge you for i don't know okay maybe this is just my (laughs) family's thing but in elementary school i would like outfit repeat uh i would like wear the same thing as the day before and then like Mm -hmm. Kids also thought that was weird because they had to change clothes every single day. Yeah, and then I, I had this very distinct penguin sweater. Penguin sweater <laughs> that was, like, red. I'm pretty sure my grandma made it with a penguin, and then I would wear it, like, very often. And then, and then kids started judging me for it, and I was like, eh. What? Well, um... Well, okay, I think that's only because par- my parents and I, my mom did laundry a lot, so I, sometimes I would like this one shirt and I would wear it over a lot, but no one really judged me for it. I would just, I just really liked my shirt, I, you know. I think the penguin shirt was just like, a little too obvious. It was yeah, maybe red. it's a bit yeah. too, bit too eye-catching, <laughs> <laughs> memorable. <laughs> yeah, probably. Because, like, people still outfit repeat, but you don't really notice it, especially if it's a guy. Maybe that's a double standard. Dude, my, my especially if it's a yeah. men, we're... I've seen men wear the exact same thing for like a whole week and if they don't have at least like four backups of the same shirt then I'm seriously <laughs> concerned for their personal hygiene. I can I can attest that they do not. Kelvin, my brother, I remember in high school he went through this phase where he only wore this one pair of sweatpants and I swear he didn't change it for a month. <laughs> like my mom and I we almost burnt it because we were just like, bro, wear your other pants. He was like, no. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure we just ended up hiding it. And it's worse than other fans. I repeat. When Grace asked me about core memories, this other memory came up. And this one time I was shopping with my mom in IGA, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I was like looking through all the frozen aisles and I was like, wow, Ben and Jerry's, 
frozen pizza and then I went to grab something I don't remember what and my head bumped into this like angry looking Karen looking white lady and then he looked at me really angrily and then she was like go back to your country and I just stood there looking at it it was like one of those moments where you're like, you're like I don't know if I heard that right right so I just didn't oh. say anything and then I just stared at her and I just turned around and walked away because I don't know what to say did that really just happen maybe I'm hearing things bruh <laughs> This is why we don't shop at IGA. It's a scary place. But, okay. <laughs> that is one of the questions on here. Like, if you ever had a racist experience encounter before. And my answer to that is, like, pretty pretty honestly, no. I don't think I've ever had anyone say something particularly racist to me. Like, there have always been kids in school. And I remember when I was, like, Chinese New Year, they would start, like, joking about... They would go, like... Something, something, fat boy. Like, you know how it's supposed to be? <laughs> gong, gong, what is it? <laughs> I can't even say it myself. <laughs> okay, no, I remember I was gong angry. Gong, hey, fat choy. Gong, hey, fat choy. Yeah, and then go like, gong, hey, fat boy. <laughs> and then I was offended by that. I guess I was like, I don't know, a young social activist or something. And I told my mom about it, and she just started laughing too. And I was just like, all right. <laughs> um, you know, I think I have this one really kind of racist experience, but... At the time, like, I didn't find it offensive, but, like, my Chinese mm-hmm. name is Q-I-N-G, right? Yeah. So, like, ching, but no, like, the, let's not know white people. I think some, like, Middle Eastern people also did this, but they would, like, smack their pen on, like, a metal desk leg and say that that was, like, ching, because it kind of made, like, that metal oh. sound. So, like, they would just go like that and be calling me. And honestly, I didn't even find that super offensive. But, like, now that I think back, that was so racist. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Grace, do you have any stories to share? Not really. I feel like I've also been very privileged to be able to grow up in like a place where, well, first of all, I was born in Canada, so I never really had any struggles with English. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a lot of the time, um, a lot of the time kids who have like immigrated to Canada are bullied because of their English. Because I know that my mm-hmm. brother was when he first came to Canada. Oh, he was? And yeah, because like he couldn't speak English all that well. And I've seen it happen with other like Chinese immigrant kids who can't speak English as well. But I feel like I've been in a way successfully whitewashed enough that um, that I've been really fortunate where I've never really had any racist experiences in that way but jeez. Mm, <laughs> I see. Me neither. Yeah. But, okay, I, I have seen on my parents' end that they have probably mm-hmm. experienced some things um, because, mm-hmm. yeah, they have not been successfully whitewashed, like, as children. Mm-hmm. And then also, I can't remember exactly what happened, but my dad worked at this company for a while, and it was not predominantly Asian. It was a mostly white community, I think. And then he found that it's, like, it's really hard to bond with and like communicate with your coworkers there because like it, it's a different culture right he doesn't talk about hockey or anything he's not into sports at all so it, it's like a lot harder to get promoted or get opportunities like that and then also like some people had less respect for him and he is a man who likes to be respected so it didn't that that did not go very well i i think i had to like fight for my dad's respect a little bit but i think i've gained a good amount so life has been going swellingly you trained your dad I have trained my dad bro did you try to manipulate your parents into like letting you go out more with your uh less Asian friends because I remember like I have a pretty whitewashed friend in middle school and she would always want to go on everything and then of course like my parents were overprotective and they're like nah 
But then I, I had I started comparing them to other parents, and I was just like, "See, this kid's parent is like this," and then they started letting me go out. Smiley face. <laughs> I just don't think I went out that much. I would go out like maybe once or twice a month. Maybe oh, more. I don't remember, but I didn't go out that much. Mm. Maybe but I just you, know friends. You had friends in middle school and you have friends. Uh, I did have a lot of friends. I just yeah. didn't like hang out. I've I've always been a bit of a hermit. Oh, respectable. <laughs> yes. But okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but like wasn't your middle school friend group not predominantly Asian? Yeah, they were oh they were like okay well they were like all asian but i think one was japanese one of my friends was um middle eastern one was white another one was like half japanese half white or something but then after that i kind of just stopped talking to them altogether and then Mm -hmm. my next friend group was basically all asian yeah okay because the thing is me in middle school um my main friend group was still mostly asian but it was a little more diverse than it is now but it's like even so i've always been surrounded by an Asian community in my upbringing and I think that that's my like comfort spot because I remember when I was serving universities I went to freaking Queens and so many people there were white and okay basically not my race and then it felt it felt a little weird because I've never been in a in a space where it's that diverse that yeah yeah, not Asian so that's like one of the reasons why I ruled it out as a place I wanted to go to and I don't know if that's right or not honestly because, like, I should be seeking environments that expand my worldviews and everything and going outside of my comfort zone. But also, I don't want to in that regard. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why I liked Waterloo, too. Because, like, you enter and then you see, like, all of these Chinese noodle bars and then, like, this mantou place and everything. And then you mm. just feel at home there. Even though I haven't lived in China for that long, it's, like, it is a part of my identity in a way. Yeah. That's so yeah. cute. Yeah, I like my Chinese food. That actually brings up such an interesting point, though, because I hear a lot of um, Asians or just, like, minority groups talking about how when they were growing up, they didn't see that many people that looked like them on, like, popular media and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And obviously now with, you know, the internet and social media, we get to see a lot more of a diverse culture. But I wonder, like, do you guys think that... um, popular media or seeing different cultures portrayed on popular media has changed your opinion towards your heritage at all? Mm, yeah, I think so. I forgot exactly what this movie was called. I think it was called Mirani. Yeah, it wasn't even Chinese-American. It was Korean-American. But when I watched it, like, I felt I related to that child. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, I think seeing the typical Western media on screen it always just, it was very clear that it was a TV show. It never really felt like it was about my life. Of course, it was still entertaining, but I never really found it that relatable, you know? But then I watched that movie, and then I remember, like, okay, a little, a little mean, but this kid didn't like his grandma that much, or he thought, like, she was kind of weird. Like, she brought all of these, like, dried um, nuts or, like, this alternative medicine that he didn't really understand, and... Um, like the grandma spoke a different language and there's also the language barrier and everything and then I definitely related to that part since I am a, a bit estranged from my grandparents and then when I was young when I visited I didn't really understand what was going on either right so then I thought they were kind of weird too which just kind of hurt our relationship but yeah it was nice being able to finally relate to something on the screen mm-hmm. for um, sure. talking about this 
I'm gonna bring up this one other roommate that I'm pretty sure Amy remembers. I don't know if she knows what I'm gonna talk about. No, I know exactly what you're gonna talk about. I actually I brought this up with someone else recently. I told them about you crying over this, and they were all very shell shocked. Anyway, for the viewers, um, there was just one time. I remember it distinctly being grade nine because I remember crying about this in marketing class too with Mr. Valente. But like on my way to school, I saw like this 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 like little short looking dude and his grandpa. But then his grandpa was like walking a few steps behind him with his backpack, and then he was like refusing to talk to his grandpa. And then before he went into the school, like he refused to hug his grandpa. His grandpa kind of just stood there and then left after like seeing him walk into the school. And it just made me so that like i just spent the entire day telling people about my experience and then like crying i'm not gonna lie that that story brought tears to my eyes it might be from like laughter instead um (laughs) i i distinctly remember you telling about this and telling us about this in like mr wong's room and math class yeah Yeah. when we're eating lunch there and you start crying (laughs) you're telling the story and so it was kind of just like oh what is going on here (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Okay, that also, uh, that uncovered a memory of mine. We all remember Aileen, right? She's also on the mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah, and we were really close in elementary school. And I remember for a while, her grandma was here um, to take care of her and her little sister. And then she did the same thing. She carried, like, all of their back- backpacks all the time. And, like, I remember kind of judging them for it because I was you can carry your own backpacks. But I think that's also just a grandparent thing to do and a Chinese mm-hmm. culture thing to do. Like, you always want the best for your kids, and then you always give them the best parts of, like, the fish and everything. My mom still does that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they're a little underappreciated, unfortunately, but they do it willingly. I think that, like, it's a certain point, my parents spoiling me in terms of eating has rendered me, like, incapable of consuming <laughs> some foods. Because, for, like, when we're eating crab, right, my yeah. dad would always, like, open the crab and, like, get all the meat out for me so I don't have to use my teeth or tools or anything. He would put in a bowl for me to eat. And now I just can't eat crab without, like, <laughs> I just physically can't. Like, someone needs to, like, open it and, like, clean it for me and then get everything ready or else I just refuse to eat it. Hard life. <laughs> it's such a hard life. Like, me too. My mom always helps me do, like, fish and everything. But then I'm terrible at doing it myself. Like, um, Christine got a fish bone stuck in her throat once. And now I am paranoid that I will get a fish bone stuck <laughs> in my throat. So I always thoroughly chew my fish before I swallow. But it is a terrifying experience. <laughs> oh, not really related to any of these questions. But mm-hmm. about, like, protectiveness and Asian parents, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they always drove me to school and stuff up until, like, I think it was grade one or grade two. Where I was like... Or maybe I was a bit older, maybe grade three, but I was like, I want to walk home because like Hamilton Park was my elementary school. It like it was super close to my house. Or maybe it was grade four or grade five. Like I literally don't remember. But one of these years, I was I started walking home, and then one day as I was walking home, right, this school bus pulled up beside me. Like I was like turning the road into my house, and the school pulled up beside me, and then it it, like like it was like slow motion. It like slowly came to a stop right beside me as I was walking along the sidewalk, and then door slowly opened, and then this. Old white man was like, "Do you want to ride?" And I was like, "No, I'm almost home." And then, and then he was like, "No, come in. I'll give you a lift home." And I was like, "No, it's okay." Oh my god! And then he tried to convince me why, and I just started walking away. And then he closed the doors and then drove away. And then now, when I think back, I think I was probably getting traffic or something. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, oh. The reason I didn't get on his car is because like I was like. 
two minutes walk from home. It wasn't because I thought it was dangerous. <laughs> like, if I was any farther away from home, I would have probably died that day. Oh, anyway, yeah. after I told my parents that, they got really paranoid. They were like, you're not walking anymore. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. no kidding. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> poor oh. memory. Poor, that is terrifying. Bad things always happen to oh me. Okay, it's because you're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I would want to kidnap you on the street, too. Thank you. I mean, no one's ever told me that before. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. You need to glow down a little bit to keep mm. the creepy men away. <laughs> um. Okay. In terms of parents, I mean, I don't know if it's the same with you guys, but um, a lot of Asian families, it's like either the mom or the dad stays here and looks after the kids, especially if there's, if there's like younger ones. And mm-hmm. um, the other parent goes back to China to work and make money, right? So mm-hmm. um, for me... None of my parents really work, but <laughs> what about you guys? <laughs> okay, my I think my family situation is a bit different because when they first came here, my dad had a like pretty good job at this pretty large company, but then the issue was they decided to like cease operations in Canada, but we already moved here, so we we're just like, oh, uh, yeah. So so he just stopped that job, and then they had Wait, to. That's like, kind of funny. It is kind of funny. It kind of screwed us over, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay it's like we um we owned a cafe for a bit because it was like mm-hmm. a thing that we needed to do to emigrate which is also like kind of a good thing too because my parents got to work in it and then that's kind of where they improved their english because they had to talk to customers and stuff and then they learned a little bit more about the culture here so they they can speak pretty fluent english that's something that they get a lot of compliments on and mm-hmm. also like they have they're they're they have like white friends you know they have like old customers that they still remember and then like we have them over for dinner and stuff like that so I think in that um regard it was pretty good but also like it was good because my parents were both here I never had to go through the thing where one of them works in China and then one of them stays here although like their jobs might be less good than what they want it to be Mm -hmm. it's it's good for me you know I just got best of both worlds yeah well for me this is just Another reminder that I kind of need to be better to my parents because they're getting kind of old. They're, like, nearing 60. They are old. My parents are old. My mom had when she was, like, 40. And I'm 18. So she's, like, literally nearing 60. And none of them work anymore. They're both retired. I guess they just take care of me. Damn, bro. Um, I mean... Your parents should, like, go around Canada or something. Yeah, they should just... Because, like, I mean, we rent prop like one property, right? So mm-hmm. she goes to like the rental apartment. Sometimes she'll clean up for the guests and stuff. But like, no one really works anymore. And I guess it's good because my dad just stays home and sings karaoke all day and disturbs <laughs> my studies. But um, I don't know. I feel like, especially since I'm going to uni next year, our time together is gonna keep getting smaller and smaller, right? Yeah. And like before I know it, I'm gonna start working and I'm gonna get even busier, and I'm just never gonna get to see them. So this is a reminder to all of you guys that are listening to be better to your parents and then spend time with them while you can, because before you know it, like your time is gonna pass and you're not gonna see them as much. And then one day, like I don't know, like I don't think you guys are gonna become strangers, but it's not gonna be as close, like. Up until now, you've probably seen your parents, like, every day for, like, the past, yeah. like, 18, 17 years of your life. And, like, soon it's not going to be like that. And yeah. I think that's going to just uh, uh, something to keep in mind. Yeah. yeah. That's such no. a beautiful message. <laughs> that's, that, okay, that's really perfect. Because today I was talking to another friend and she's saying that she was listening to the last episode where we were talking about, like, losing our friends from school, right? And <laughs> everyone is pretty, like, worried, or at least I think everyone's pretty sad that um, we're all departing after this year. But the thing is, like, a lot of us are going to be um, moving away from home, too. And then no one's really talking about that. It's like, I think a lot of us don't even realize that we're going to be moving out of our parents' houses. Unless you're sick of your parents. But 
it's crazy that I don't know. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna live with them again for at least for a long time. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess we go on to build our own families, right? And then it's like, maybe your parents will live with you and your husband and your child. It's unlikely. Yeah, it is unlikely. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it's like looking at my brother. He's he's pretty independent. He's more independent than I am. But even so, like he kind of rarely talks to my parents. You know, my mom emails him to get his attention for important things because he doesn't answer to our WeChats. Or if oh it's really God. important, she'll tell me, and then I will like text him on Discord or on Instagram. But otherwise, it's like very hard to grab to um, grab hold of him. And then I feel bad because like I don't want to be like that in the future. But also, you know, when you hang out with friends and then you're out for a long time, yeah, I'm kind of kind of forget. Yeah. And, like, I just have to remember, you, it's kind of like too late, you know? Yeah. It's gonna be your life, I just have to remember, it's gonna be too late to like make up all the time we've lost with them. <laughs> it's very sad. <laughs> no. <laughs> On the topic of the friends thing, I don't think any of you like, look, we don't have to worry. I'm sure we're all like beautiful people and like we'll find our own friend group somewhere. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, no, humans I'm, build connections pretty fast, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. And it's like, I'm not even that worried about making friends and stuff. And it's just like, it feels like an era is ending. And then it's like people you've seen every day you're going to stop seeing after a while. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, in middle school, I had this similar feeling too in graduation when I, I realized that like some people um, I, who were in my class, like I've been in the same class with them or at least like around them since kindergarten. Like, since I was literally, like, four or five, and then suddenly, after middle school, I just never saw them again. Which, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, it doesn't really impact my life. It's not, like, seeing them every day did anything, but it's just, like, sentimental value, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you think your, friend, your parents are going to do after we leave, though? Like, what do they do with their lives? I think... My dad is going on Zoe's mom's new trip. Oh, really? He's planning another oh, one. Yeah. God damn. Maybe and I, I think my mom's just going to chill. Okay, that's okay. That's a good thing about your parents, though, because I feel like they actually have a more robust life outside of their kids in comparison to my parents, because I've always worried that they don't have a lot of friends and then they don't like go out a lot and then they kind of just like work and come home and then do like domestic life things and take care of me. But I don't know. What are you going to be like after I leave? I mean, I'm sure that it's been, I sure it's that... been like 21 or 22 years of raising kids and I'm the young child and I will be They will raise your dog. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Although I was thinking of bringing my dog with me, then it would be oh, really empty. Yeah, leave them with nothing. <laughs> and as we're slowly closing down the pod, we just wanted to say thank you so much, Christine, for coming onto the podcast. We loved having Yay. you. Yes, it's been really it great to reconnect with you because I feel like I haven't seen you in forever, and we used <laughs> to hang out a lot when we were kids. So maybe we should get back into that. But um, yeah, we loved having you in the pod and hearing all of your funny stories. <laughs> so yeah. thank you so much for coming on, and to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us or like tell us what you thought of the pod, any feedback. Tell Christine how amazing she is and how smart mm-hmm. she is and how funny all her stories are. You can find us on Instagram at to be honest pod. 
yes, um, if you ever want to cry about grandpas and umbrellas together, we can always oh, do that. Sure. <laughs> yes. And yes. as always, thank you so much for all your support. It'd help us a lot if you rate us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or share the podcast with anyone who you think might be interested. And with that, we'll, we'll see you see next, next week. week.